Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Well, good weekend, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I apologize right off uh, the bat for a couple of things. Uh, number one, I'm feeling a little under the weather. It just kind of snuck up on me here in the last little bit. And uh, so I don't, I'm not sure if my voice uh, sounds uh, normal. Uh, I, I'm a little congested, though. So I apologize for that. If I sound sick, uh, it might be because I am, am or I am uh, getting sick. That's the first thing. Second thing. Last week, I, uh, as I was doing the uh, the final bit on the uh, last week's episode, I knocked over my mic stand, and I think I screwed up my mic. So uh, it may sound a little wonky. I haven't got a replacement yet. In one of the segments uh, this week, I did try uh, a secondary uh, microphone that I have, but I don't like the way it sounds. Uh, so I hope this is okay. Uh, I apologize if, uh, if there's a little bit of uh, background noise or something like that. It's actually internal in the microphone. I did some sort of damage to the diaphragm. So uh, I apologize. If the, uh, the mic sounds a little bit off this week, I will uh, try to correct that. Um, anyway, let's get right to the uh, the show. And uh, first off, thanks uh, for coming back. If you're a returning listener and if you're a newcomer to the Pipeline Show, then welcome aboard. Let's get to the uh, the question of the day. That's how we always start things off uh, here on the program. Uh, and this week's question I put up on Twitter. It's uh, in advance of the 2020 World Junior Championship. And uh, in fact, most of the all the national team camps haven't started yet. Uh, but what's your predicted finish look like right now uh, for the podium? Uh, I want your uh, three medal winners, gold, silver, bronze. And uh, who's going to lead the tournament in scoring? And I don't just mean uh, goal scoring, but in uh, overall points. Uh, a number of people have uh, replied already, which is uh, always great. Uh, and uh, one uh, one or two players are getting a lot of, uh, a lot of love early. Tony has uh, the U.S. winning, followed by Russia and Sweden. He uh, goes as far to say Canada will finish fifth. And uh, his leading score says it's going to be a tie be- between uh, Cole Caulfield and Ilya Podkolzin uh, from uh, Team Russia. Uh, Nick said he's got Russia, followed by Russia and Canada. He also has Cole Caulfield uh, leading the tournament in scoring. Alfonso has Russia winning the championship, followed by Canada and the United States, with Cole Caulfield uh, leading the scoring. Uh, he also says Alexi Lafreniere uh, in the mix there as well. And Nolan has Canada, followed by Sweden and the United States, with Alexi Lafreniere, the uh, leading scorer in the tournament. You can keep your uh, responses coming to me, even after this uh, the show comes out. And I can't uh, say on the air who uh, you uh, what your predictions are, but you can still uh, 
get involved in the conversation. You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Let's get to the uh, news and notes, and uh, we'll start in the CHL with the uh, the top 10 for this week. The Sherbrooke Phoenix, still number one overall, followed uh, right behind by the Moncton Wildcats, and I believe they play each other uh, this weekend. That'll be awesome. The number three spot is held down by the Ottawa 67s, who actually jumped up from uh, seven to number three. Also jumping up, the Prince Albert Raiders go from six to four. Shakutami holds steady at five. Everett drops a couple spots from four to six. The London Knights are now ranked number seven, followed by the Windsor Spitfires, Medicine Hat Tigers, and the Peterborough Peets to close out the ranking in the number 10 spot. Look at the scoring race in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and, uh, well, uh, two of the Rimouski Oceanic are still in the top five. Alexi Lafreniere leads the league with 60 points. Cedric Paré has 54. Uh, Jacob Pelche now in third, followed by Alexander Hovanov. That's, uh, they're both from the Moncton Wildcats. Pelche has 49 points. Hovanov has uh, 48. Igor Sokolov of the Cape Breton Eagles is next with 47 points. Switching over to the Ontario Hockey League and the uh, Leading scorer in the OHL is still Connor McMichael. He has 56 points on the year. Arthur Kaliev uh, right behind him. So is uh, Jan Janik with a 54 uh, for both of those players. Quinton Byfield has 50 points now. And Marco Rossi, who was on the show not that long ago, uh, has 49 points. Undrafted Nico Dawes listed at uh, 6'4", 6'5", and uh, over 200 pounds. He's a top goaltender in the OHL in both the uh, goals against and save percentage category, uh, playing for the Guelph Storm. Also invited to Canada's World Junior Camp, uh, but undrafted this year. Now he does turn 19 in December, because he's been the backup in Guelph the last couple of years, but uh, now the starter and uh, doing a fantastic job this season. I see a lot of people giving him a lot of love on uh, Twitter uh, throughout the the course of this season, so uh, one to watch for there when you're thinking of the NHL draft. Meanwhile, in the uh, WHL, the uh, leading scorer, Dylan Cousins is uh, sitting on top. Alexi Protus and Jimmy Hamblin of the Medicine Hat Tigers, all three of them tied with 42 points right now. Connor Zeri not that far behind with 39. And Oliver Ocular of the Lethbridge Hurricanes has 38 points. Uh, And the uh, top goaltender is the same guy in uh, both the goals against average and the save percentage category. That would be... Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips. And right next to him in both categories is Joel Hofer of the Portland Winterhawks. Both of those guys will be going to their national team uh, world junior camps. Wolf for the U.S. and Hofer uh, for Canada. Uh, speaking of the WHL, some big trades here in the last uh, couple of days. In fact, last night, the Kelowna Rockets made a pair of moves. They uh, sent a first, a second, and a fifth round pick to the Seattle Thunderbirds in exchange for uh, Florida Panthers prospect Matthew Wedman. He's a 20-year-old, so that means Kelowna had to ditch another 20-year-old, and that would be Leif Matson. Uh, they did this uh, last week as well, picking up Jaden Joseph from Moose Jaw, and uh, that meant they moved out Kobe Moore, who they had picked up earlier in the season. So the carousel of 20-year-olds uh, continues uh, for the Kelowna Rockets. Still five weeks until the CHL trade deadline. They might not be done. I think uh, they probably are... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to find a a defenseman along the way. The natural next step from the CHL for a lot of players would be U-Sports. Uh, let's look at the U-Sports standings uh, across Canada as uh, all four conferences have now taken their, their, their off until 
the start of the uh, the new year. In OUA East, uh, Carlton enters the break sitting in first place with a uh, 15-2-1 record. They're followed by uh, UQTR, Ottawa, McGill, Concordia in that order. In the West, it's uh, Toronto with a 14-2 record in first place, uh, followed by Windsor, Ryerson, Guelph, and Brock is in fifth. And then you've got Lakehead, Waterloo, Laurier, Western, and York uh, rounding up the rest of the conference. In AUS, out in the Atlantic, Acadia has played 18 games. They sit in first place, but UNB has a game in hand and are just one victory behind Acadia. So a pretty tight race at the top of AUS standings. St. Mary's is third, followed by Les Aigles Bleus of Moncton. St. FX, UPEI, and uh, Dalhousie is in last place. And then we look at uh, Canada West, and uh, the University of Alberta has a four-point cushion atop Canada West standing. They are ahead of the USC Dinos and the Saskatchewan Huskies, both tied for second place. And Mount Royal has dropped to fourth as they've lost their last couple of games. Right now, Saskatchewan's on fire. They've won eight in a row. And it will be Alberta and Saskatchewan opening weekend in 2020. Manitoba, UBC, Lethbridge, and Regina round out the standings in Canada West. South of the border in the NCAA, you look at the uh, top 20 rankings and Minnesota State coming into this weekend with a record of 12-1-1. They are now the number one ranked team. They received 44 of the 50 first place votes. That's on the USCHO poll. Cornell, who is a perfect 9-0, they are ranked number two. North Dakota is uh, now ranked number three ahead of Denver, who is four. Clarkson, five. The rest of the top ten is Penn State, Ohio State, Northeastern, Notre Dame, and Boston College. Then 11 through 20 goes like this. Massachusetts, Harvard, Bowling Green, Minnesota, Duluth, Providence at 15, UMass Lowell, Western Michigan, Omaha, Wisconsin, and the Arizona State Sun Devils are 20th. Some of the bigger games this weekend in the NCAA, and it doesn't look like it's an entirely a, a full schedule. I might be wrong on that, but... Cordell, who is ranked number two, takes on number 12 ranked Harvard. Uh, that should be a very good game. Elsewhere, you got number three, North Dakota, in Kalamazoo, taking on Western Michigan. Nebraska Omaha is hosting defending a two-time defending champ, Minnesota Duluth. They are both ranked in the top 20. Number one ranked Minnesota State at home to Lake Superior. Notre Dame goes up against Boston College. That's the number nine against the number 10 team. And uh, number four, Denver, is in Phoenix to play Arizona State at the uh, oddly named Oceanside Ice Arena. That's number four against number 20. All right, that's it for the news and notes. Let's get to what's coming down the pipe today. We're going to start things off with an in-the-dub segment for Dub Network. It's also going to be our CHL Insider segment, and that, of course, for the store next door. And you can uh, follow them on Twitter, and uh, you see all the specials that they have as a uh, Christmas right around the corner. So uh, last-minute shopping ideas for the hockey fan in your house. What they do is they take broken hockey sticks and they turn that stuff into uh, some absolutely cool uh, furniture items or uh, collectible items, things like that, uh, display cases or, uh, you know, like puck racks. They have racks for hanging hockey equipment on. You can, but, I mean, uh, TV trays and uh, benches, stools. They make uh, raffle boxes, you know, if, you're, if your team is having a raffle or something like that and you need uh, a box to uh, put all the entries in, uh, they make those out of broken hockey sticks as well. So really, lots of really cool ideas. 
if you have an idea of something they could make, you can uh, inform them of that, and uh, they'll see if they can uh, put it together for you as well. So uh, employing people with disabilities, really recommend you check out the store, nextdoor.ca. Alan Miller is the general manager of the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's the first guest you're going to hear from this week uh, here on the show as I uh, chatted with him before the Oil Kings and the Moose Jaw Warriors game earlier this week in Edmonton. Uh, and, we, of course, we talk about his team, but we also get into the whole hockey culture uh, subject as uh, that's kind of taken over the hockey landscape here over the last couple of weeks. From there to be our NCAA campus report, Peter Dilaberatore, defenseman with the Quinnipiac Bobcats, and a, uh, for me, what is still a, a tongue twister of a name uh, to try to, uh, to accomplish. He's a sophomore for the Bobcats and having another strong season even though the Bobcats themselves have been up and down this year, he continues to play well, well enough that he has an invite to Canada's World Junior Camp. So I had a chance to speak with him about uh, that. Then we'll go to a conversation with uh, Grayson Polinchuk. That will be a U-Sports update. Who's Grayson Polinchuk? Well, he is the uh, leading scorer for the University of Alberta Golden Bears right now and uh, one of the players who will be on the U-Sport All-Star team that will play a couple of exhibition games against Canada's World Junior team in, uh, to help them get prepared for the World Junior Tournament. So I uh, had a chat with him about you know, his time with the University of Alberta Golden Bears so far, what's gone right for him, because he's suddenly found uh, taking his offensive game to another level this year. Uh, but we look back at his WHL career, and another guy we chat uh, about hockey culture with as uh, he played for Brent Sutter, who is a, a coach now who has the target put on his back. So we'll talk to uh, Grayson about uh, all of that. And we'll close out the show today with a 2020 draft spotlight segment. The player's name is Luke Reed. He plays for the Chicago Steel defenseman, and he's also playing for the United States at the World Junior A Championship, which uh, begins this weekend up in Dawson Creek, B.C. What's interesting about him, or one of the things that's interesting, is that uh, he's from Warman, Saskatchewan, grew up in Saskatchewan, played all his minor hockey in Saskatchewan, then went to the Penticton V's, uh, for a year in the BCHL. He's now in year two in the USHL and is going to the NCAA. Has played for Canada in the past at the U-17s, but uh, for the Holinka Gretzky Cup in 2018, he switched to the United States and is uh, now playing uh, for the country south of the border. He has dual citizenship, uh, but uh, we, do, we do talk about that as well. So uh, lots to get to on the program today. We'll kick it off though with Alan Miller, GM of the Moose Jaw Warriors. That's for our in the dub segment, also our CHL Insider segment. And before we get to that, I should remind you about Pro Stock Hockey. Another place if you're looking for some uh, last-minute Christmas shopping, ProStockHockey.com. That's how you can follow them on Twitter as well, at Pro Stock Hockey. And they've been updating all of their inventory editions as well. And their website is ProStockHockey.com. Go check it out. All right, well, let's get to the guests on the show. Alan Miller, GM of the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. Out on the end boards. Brandon turns it over. Keck Ford comes around. Has Woosh shot. He scores. Chet Woosh snaps it far side over the glove of Logan Thompson. And the Warriors have extended their lead. Hi, this is Jet Woo from the Moose Jaw Warriors. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
the biggest game of the season. The Edmonton Oil Kings Teddy Bear Toss, presented by The Brick. Saturday night at 7, bring your new bears to the game. And when the Oil Kings score their first goal, the fur will fly onto the ice. Help Santa's Anonymous collect thousands of bears for gifts this holiday season for families in need. Bring several bears to the game and help beat last year's record-breaking number. Oil Kings, Calgary Hitmen. Teddy Bear Toss, this Saturday night at Rogers Place. Very few tickets still remain. Get yours now, starting at just $20 at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I have a bad feeling about this. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I am Guy Flaming. Time for our In the Dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the world of the Western Hockey League by uh, visiting dubnetwork. Maybe you want to make it a bookmark uh, on your toolbar so that you can uh, remember to visit it every day. Sign up for the uh, daily dose of the dub and it'll come right to your inbox as well. It makes it uh, really easy to stay in touch with the league and uh, everything going on uh, with uh, various uh, teams and players. I find it really handy to, uh, to do it that way. My in-the-dub guest this week is the uh, GM of the Moose Jaw Warriors, who I caught up with uh, earlier this week. The Edmonton Oil Kings were hosting the Warriors on a Tuesday night, and I was able to uh, sit down with Alan Miller before the game, and uh, we talked for 10, 11 minutes, something like that, about uh, about his team and uh, some of the tri- trials and tribulations that they've gone through here early in the season. Uh, but I also wanted to talk to him about... Uh, well, the topic that's taken over the hockey landscape right now, and that would be hockey culture and uh, the way coaches uh, deal with players and uh, sometimes cross the line and uh, how that has trickled down now to the uh, WHL level. And we even saw earlier this week with the Swift Current Broncos basically firing uh, Butter. And uh, I think that, that one that one's getting mixed reaction. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people who are on either side of uh, the fence on that. Uh, a lot of people really like butter, and I've talked to some people who uh, said they foresaw this coming and, uh, in fact, thought it might have happened, uh, that it was overdue to happen. So uh, I don't know butter very well. I've talked to him a couple times, just you know, mostly in a group setting, um, so never one-on-one. I, I don't really know what it's like uh, to be around him uh, as a player, obviously. Uh, or part of the organization, so uh, I don't really have a uh, a feel, and I can't say that uh, I understand or justify or or not justify uh, what happened for him. But um, this whole topic now has has definitely reached the the Western Hockey League, uh, and uh, and it's not just with coaches; it's uh, obviously everybody around uh, an organization now uh, is going to be. Uh, well, I think you're going to have to look in the mirror, and uh, if you have to adjust the way that you deal with players and uh, with other people. Then, uh, then you're going to have to make those changes. But I wanted to talk to Alan Miller about that uh, subject because, as I shared with you last week uh, on the Pipeline Show, uh, audio from the Jason Greger Show on TSN 1260, um, that there's been some issues with Tim Hunter in the past. So I wanted to talk to Alan Miller about uh, that subject and just ask if, uh, you know, as an organization, they've had some internal dialogue uh, since all of this has kind of come out here in the last couple of weeks. Um, so uh, I'm going to share the audio with you. Uh, this uh, comes from Monday night, and it'll it'll sound a little bit different. In fact, this audio might sound a little different as I'm speaking with you right now because I'm using a different mic. I uh, knocked over my mic stand, uh, so my normal mic uh, actually got damaged and it doesn't sound right uh, at the moment. So I'm uh, using a uh, a secondary mic, 
Uh, and I'm not sure what the quality is going to be like, but uh, this probably sounds a little bit different. Uh, anyway, what you're about to hear is uh, from my handheld uh, uh, digital recorder, so that sounds a little bit different as well. And it's uh, uh, from uh, Tuesday night between the uh, the game between the Oil Kings and the Moose Jaw Warriors. Here it is. Uh, joined now by Alan Miller, GM of the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors. Uh, Alan, maybe just a little start with how the season has gone for you. You and I chatted in September before the year started. You kind of uh, put the, you know, forecast what the year you thought would be like for your club. Has it matched? Have things gone according to plan? Yeah, I, I, you know, for, for the most part, Guy, when I l- looked at our team in the off season, you know, we knew we were going to be very young, uh, carrying 12 rookies and 11, 17 year olds. Um, you know, we had some challenges with, you know, the whole goaltending situation and the yeah. 20 year old situation and, and Adam Evanoff and, and who's played very well for us. And, uh, so there were some challenges there. We missed out on some twenties to kind of, you know, look after the goaltending on the short, the short term. Um, but, but all those are the, the ups and downs of managing a team and trying to, to put it together. We, we said from the get-go that we wanted to build with this group. Um, we wanted to get better every month, every week, every day. Um, I believe our coaching staff uh, uh, are very engaged in what our team is all about and, and the development factor and, and working with our young players. We wanted to stay competitive in terms of a playoff spot. We've kind of slipped in that area. You know, we're six back with six games in hand, which uh, uh, games in hand are only as good as, as when you win them. Um, but not overly all, not overall disappointed. Um, you know, we'd like to see us a little bit more competitive in certain games. Um, good test for us here tonight. Um, but all in all, we knew what we were. We knew what we were trying to build, and we knew that there would be some stretches where it'd be tough on a young club. I wanted to ask you about the, the games played and having so few uh, compared to a lot of other teams in the league. Is there good and bad to that? Because I imagine it means more practice time, and that's probably a good thing. Is there a downside? I, I think I think the practice time has been good, uh, again, based on the age of our team. And, and we've had some changes to our team, some guys coming in and out. Yeah. So I think the coaches have, have uh, saw the benefit in, in that regard. Um, but, you know, we've had some weeks where... Um, you know, one game, uh, and the guys want to play. Like they, they want to get, they want to play. Um, and you know that along the way, you've got six games in hand or seven games in hand. We've played the least amount of games of anybody in the league. There, there's going to be a stretch where it's going to catch up to you, right. and it's not going to be the easiest stretch. You know, four and five here. Yeah. Edmonton, Red Deer, Red Deer, PA. Um, so there are good and bads um, at the same time um, for us. There are games in hand. They're valuable points. If we want to stay in the in the playoff race, um, stay in the mix with uh, um, you know Red Deer and and Brandon and Winnipeg and that compete for third in our division, compete for a wild card spot. Um, we've got to find a way to win some games. Well, you mentioned uh, being without your starting net minor to start the season. That you're going to have that tough schedule uh, coming up. Uh, I guess adversity sort of reveals identity of your club. What have you learned about your team so far, even though they're young? Yeah, and 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 you, and, and you try and balance that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, um, adversity um, does show character just does show um what your team's all about at the same time we've got to balance it with the fact that um we're so young and and we try not to use that as an excuse um you know that's me as kind of the the architect in terms of 
you know, trying to look at next year and the year after and just really where you're at in player personnel after, you know, we did what we did the three, four years before that in terms of trying to win. Um, so, you know, there are some nights, Ski, to be honest, that I sit here and I, and, and I watch us play and I'm, I'm, we're too young. Yeah. You know, this is on me. Um, we're too young. i got to find a way to complement our group here. You know, we picked up Zabranski. We've picked up Augustine, some guys that have some experience in the league, um, you know, to try and complement the group because at the same time, you know, development can't be about a bunch of young guys, you know, um, getting, not being in games and, and, and you know, not winning and because that's going to hinder development. We've got to be competitive. We've got to be in games. We've got to find ways to get more pucks to the net, more shots on net. Um, so um, I, I'm fine with our group. Um, I balance the adversity we go through with, you know, where our team is at and the character of our team and the youth of our team. And, and you take that into consideration as you evaluate go, moving forward. Great news for Braden Tracy uh, fairly recently, getting a, an NHL contract like that. What does that do for, not just for him, obviously, he's going to be ecstatic, but for the franchise as well. you got to take some ownership and some pride in that. Yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, when we look at... Uh when we look look at our team over the last number of years, I, you know we're we're proud of the players and first and foremost for the guys that have got drafted, uh, um, the guys that have done well in terms of uh, um, you know signing free agent deals. You know a couple of years ago we had all three 20 year olds who were free agents. That's right. Um, Janelle Walks and Burke all signed NHL contracts. Um, Again, first and foremost, that's a credit to the kids. But as an organization, you're 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 proud. You're happy for them to, because that's what a lot of this is about. Is uh, those guys have an opportunity to realize their dream and a chance to play in the National Hockey League. So um, that's exciting for our organization. And Braden Tracy, you know, is really as good as, of a story as as you can get. Um, you know, guy that came up real late at the end of the, the his Bantam draft year. Um, you know, Alberta Cup put up big numbers. Um, we took him late in the in the first round. Didn't play for us at 16. Um, went back to midget, which is you know an anomaly for first rounders in our league not to play at 16. And uh, he took it in stride. He 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 worked hard. He he didn't complain. He didn't moan. He went and did what he needed to do to get better. And he comes in rookie of the year, has a great year, first round NHL pick, and signs an NHL contract. Couldn't be happier for Braden. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do want to ask you about a touchy subject that's kind of. Uh taken over the hockey landscape here in the last couple of weeks uh, about hockey culture uh, and a lot of it has to do with you know coaches at at whatever level and it seems to have trickled down to the whl now as well um, you ha- you have a an old school coach i think it's fair to say with tim hunter but as a franchise have you had conversations with the coaching staff not just with tim but it looks like even trainers uh, in the uh, are affected now in the western hockey league as well but just to make sure everybody's on the same page moving forward well the first thing I'd say to you, Guy, is that there's a perception of, of Tim Hunter as an old-school coach, and it, it really is only perception because of the type of player he, he was. Okay. Um, Tim, Tim was a real student of the game. Um, he's a real intelligent guy. He's a real modern thinker in terms of the way the game is played um, and, the, and the way he wants to coach. Um, I think certainly that... Um, with any coaches um, at this level and higher, that there are moments and times where um, you challenge players, and um, and uh, um, but I think that we're you know we're 
you know this hockey culture thing we're talking about we're talking about a, a number of incidents that 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 seem to have happened years and years ago mm-hmm. and i think and and i think we're losing sight at times that the game has changed dramatically I think, in particular, our league um, has done a lot of things in the last number of years, and I think there's a lot of quality, quality men and quality, quality coaches who you would categorize as old-school coaches that have had to figure this out along the way in terms they've of... They've evolved too. They've evolved too. And I think we lose sight that, that, that we've taken step forwards and coaches have taken step forwards, and... Um, and, and, and we, we, we have done a much better job in terms of the areas of um, player management, player uh, environment and, and, and those types of lots of resources through the our league, the CHL in terms of, uh, of how we look after our players. So uh, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's um, um, you know a tough time uh, with everything that's going on because this is the game we're passionate about that mm-hmm. my livelihood and, uh, and 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 we love the game and uh, um, but I think as an organization um, certainly to get back to one of the points you made um, we talk about it uh, a lot um, we try to take pride in our environment and Moose Jaw in terms of how we take care of our players and and I think every manager in, in junior hockey, had, had, you know, during these last couple of weeks with the things that have that have come out and happened, um, continues to have those conversations with your coaches in terms of um, your environment and how you work with your players, and, uh, and 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 will continue to do so. One of the things I struggle with, I think we 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 know where the line is clearly drawn on some things like there's no homophobic slurs on the ice or racial slurs, or you're not going to be sexually, you know, any sort of sexual abuse instant to obviously uh, no no things like that the verbal abuse I don't know where a person draws the line because you have 25 26 different personalities in a dressing room over the course of the year some guys are motivated in by different tactics I I've never been a coach I've never been in the dressing room at a high level like that so what is crossing the line when it when you're handling that many different personalities how do you know what you can't how to push a player and when you go too far well um, I I've never coached either, um, so um, my whole career has been uh, been on the management side. Now, I, I will say that I, I'm 0-1 behind the bench in the OHL because my head coach had a, a health issue and surgery, and uh, I had to go on the bench. I've, I've joked with Tim over the last six years, just give me one shot to get to 500, <laughs> and uh, he, he hasn't he hasn't come around on that. Um, I, I think, Guy, that the the whole thing about um, coaches and players and where we're at in in terms of um, the game right now at our level is is that if you're a coach that doesn't take the time to build relationships with your players and and you don't take the time to find out what makes all your players tick in terms of challenging them, making them better, making them feel comfortable, making them feel confident, um, then then you're not going to succeed. And and, and I feel we have a staff that uh, does that, does that very well, and uh, and I'm real happy with where we're at in terms of uh, um, those building blocks and what we do with our players in Moose Jaw, what we do with our environment, and particularly in this year, what we need to do with our players to make sure that they're getting better. Alan, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best luck the rest of the way this year. Appreciate it, Guy. Always a pleasure. That was uh, Moose Jaw Warriors general manager Alan Miller. I really appreciated his time before the game uh, that night. Thanks to uh, James Gallo as well uh, of the Warriors for setting up that interview. Uh, let me know what you thought of the uh, conversation. You can hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy 
and we can continue the conversation that way. Up next here on the Pipeline Show, the NCAA Campus Report. We're going to speak with a player who uh, not only is having a uh, good season in the NCAA, but as we uh, turn the page to uh, World Junior Month here on the Pipeline Show, well, here's a player who's been invited to Canada's World Junior Camp. His name is uh, Peter Delibatori. He is a defenseman with the uh, Quinnipiac Bobcats. Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. Matias Samuelson left point. Gruden around on the right side. 1-0 U18. Stosky walks the line. Took the shot right on goal. They score! Farabee put in the rebound. And Farabee gives his grandmother a birthday present. It's 2-0. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. He is a midnight mover. He can go on in the sunlight. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Dylan Larkin. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Kevin Shattenkirk. Goal! James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Well, the freaking This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and uh, it's our college campus report. And for that, it, of course, it's always brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you have a player in your family that's uh, looking to explore all of their options, and the college path is certainly a viable one, but there are some things you need to know, go to College Hockey, Inc., great resource, and uh, you can contact Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, and they can uh, answer some of those questions you might have as well. It's December. We're also uh, flipping the page to uh, World Junior Month here. And my next guest is a collegian, also invited to uh, Hockey Canada's U-20 camp. Was there in the summer as well. Defenseman with the uh, Quinnipiac Bobcats, Peter Delibatore, my guest. And uh, Peter, when I first called you, I said, I'm going to butcher your name. How did I do? Uh, you didn't do too bad. Uh, better than most, I would say. <laughs> that, uh, honestly, I've been uh, looking at that, and I'm like, I have no idea how to pronounce that. What What is the worst way, or what is the most common way people get that wrong? Uh, usually, they forget the E at the end, so they actually don't do too bad. It's usually just deliberators. Sometimes they butcher the B-R-E, the, the middle part, but uh, for, for all of those who want to know, it's deliberatory, so it's not too complicated once you you get it down and you say it the first time yeah okay well i appreciate you making the time today uh, uh this right now you guys are uh, the bobcats on a <laughs> bit of a break after this past weekend they uh the uh, bobcats don't get back in action until after christmas right so uh, a nice little break for you except you're not taking a break here you're, you're going to hockey canada's camp and that's got to be a thrill for you as well right yeah yeah obviously here it's a little bit more relaxed with practice and uh knowing we have the time off but uh you know, it's definitely an exciting, exciting part of my uh, my journey, and uh, to be able to represent my country, it's a it's a true honor, and I'm excited for the experience. All right, before we talk World Junior, let's uh, look at the the college season for you <laughs> and the Bobcats. And uh, October was great, four and one record coming out of the month. November, there's been some hiccups along the way. Uh, how would you describe the season so far? 
Yeah, definitely some bumps in the road. Um, obviously, we're a young team on paper, but you know we try not to to make those types of excuses. So we just try to been uh, finding our identity with uh, you know the freshmen all the way up, and uh, I think we're you know after our big win at UMass and get the long break, we we can find our identity and uh, you know have a great second half. The second year for you, you're a sophomore uh, with the with the Bobcats. Uh, how has this year been compared to last year, just in terms of you know your comfort level or your confidence? Uh, just having gone through it once already, is this year a little bit easier in that regard? Oh uh, yeah, in some ways, definitely. Coming in last year, uh, you know, just being a sponge and soaking everything up. Where this year, you know, you're kind of you're kind of giving the feedback and uh, helping all the freshmen and uh, mm. just getting back into the the go of things. So it's definitely been a little bit of a change, you know, off the ice, but uh, on the ice, it's you know, same game, same style. So it's uh, it's been fun so far terrific freshman season for you 19 points three of those were goals uh, were you expecting that sort of uh, uh production in your freshman year oh uh, yeah i mean i didn't really have a set goal of you know points or anything i just you know want to make a statement in the lineup and play every game and play to my best uh so i think you know that would contribute uh, hopefully to the to my offensive uh, uh stats and obviously it did so um yeah i was just you know playing my game and learning and soaking everything in from the coaching staff to uh, the seniors. Well, for a lot of freshmen, when they get to a program, especially one that is uh, as uh, deep uh, year-to-year as a Quinnipiac is, you might have to take your time and kind of uh, play a role and, and fit in slowly before you get more opportunity. Uh, sounds like Coach Pecknold uh, had you playing a lot last year, and, and uh, maybe you got some of those opportunities a lot of freshmen wouldn't. Right, yeah. He, uh, he was very generous and uh, giving me the, the opportunities that I had, and you know, for me, I just took advantage of them, did the best that I could, and just, you know, asked questions all around just of what I could do to, you know, get more play time, whether it was PK or power play, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they, the coaching staff did a great job of guiding me into, you know, what I need to do. And, uh, you know, as soon as I did that, they would give me a little bit more uh, leeway. And, yeah, I think they handled it really well, and I think I uh, took the opportunity. Peter, tell me why Quinnipiac was the right fit for you. I know, I mean, there are a number of Canadians who go south and, and play college hockey, but why, uh, in particular, was Quinnipiac uh, the, the right fit? Uh, I think it was perfect for me, just because you know it was under the radar. It wasn't, you know, the highest of the, you know, the programs uh, in terms of the tradition. But you know, the coaching staff is unbelievable. You know, the, the trainers here's are, are unbelievable, and everything about it, it was just you know a small, quiet school. But at the same time, I they were. I knew they were good at developing uh, the players to get to the next level. And I thought uh, that's kind of where I need to fit in and be in, where I could, uh, you know, play right away and not have to wait and sit out or anything like that. Was there any thought of going, I mean, you went right from prep school. Would you, did you think of a year in the USHL or something like that before you went to college? You know, I imagine you maybe at least considered that option, but, I mean, it certainly didn't hold you back to, to jump right into college. It's, it's uh, It can be a big step yeah. for a lot of guys, but it didn't seem like it hampered you at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was definitely definitely an option to go to go the junior route. Um, but, you know, I discussed with my, my family and my parents, and as soon as the uh, option was brought up to uh, go in as a, as a true freshman, you know, we just uh, looked at both options and the pros and cons of it, and I think me and my family and the coach staff both agreed that, uh, coming in wouldn't be uh, would be a good idea, and uh, luckily it worked out. Peter Deliberatory of the uh, Quinnipiac Bobcats, my guest here on the Pipeline Show uh, in our NCAA campus report. We're also going to talk a little World Junior coming up in a second as well. But you just mentioned Junior, and I have to ask you about the, the major Junior option. You're a Halifax kid. The Halifax Moose yeah. draft you. They're hosting the Memorial Cup. 
there, I have to think there was some pressure maybe, and it must have been pretty tempting to consider that option. But you, you stayed true to uh, what you wanted to do and, and ended up going to Quinnipiac. But how difficult was it to say no to Halifax so when, when they uh, drafted you? Yeah, obviously coming from, uh, you know, living in Bedford, 20 minutes from Halifax and growing up watching them as a kid, it was definitely a dream of mine. Uh, ever since I was young to, you know, one day play for them. But as I got older, I kind of observed uh, kind of my body type and my development. And I just thought the uh, the college route would uh, give me more time going to prep school and then uh, eventually into college. But, uh, you know, they're obviously a great organization. They handled everything, you know, very professionally with me. And uh, they're nothing but the best uh, to me um, in terms of just, you know, knowing uh, what I wanted and what I needed and, uh, you know, wishing me luck and stuff. So, uh, yeah, they uh, they handled it really well. They're really professional and um, can't say enough good things about them. Well, things have worked out pretty well for you, and now you get this opportunity with Hockey Canada, and you were there in the summer as well. When you got that invite back in the summer, at it at you know on some level, did it surprise you at all? Did you know that you were on the radar? Um, honestly, yeah, it did, it did surprise me a little bit. I, it's not something that uh, was in the back of my head. Uh, stronger on the ice and uh so when i heard the news you know i was obviously pretty ecstatic but uh yeah it wasn't something that was heavily weighted on my mind how'd it go back in the summer yeah so it was my first time obviously with team canada all new guys and uh yeah i thought i uh thought i played my game stuck to it and uh i think that really showed so i think that helped me and uh you know i just tried to do exactly what uh i did to to get me to the camp so i didn't try to do too much or play out of my game style well, it certainly, obviously, you did enough then and uh, since then uh, at Quinnipiac uh, to to earn the invite back here in December. Uh, how do you feel about going to this camp? I mean, there are, traditionally the college guys seem to struggle a little bit. You might play fewer games in the regular season than your your CHL counterparts, but there are four of you uh, invited uh, this year, uh, and you've had a chance to play with uh, some of the other guys that are at camp. Uh, how do you feel uh, going into this camp? You, I have to think there's a level of of course but uh it's it's also a pretty deep team yeah definitely you know i definitely have some confidence and a little bit more uh comfort zone going back knowing the guys just from uh the last camp and uh, the coaching staff and everything so i think i just go into it you know with an open mind and exactly do what i did in the summer and just play my game and stick to that do you try to find a role to play to that you can kind of specialize in i know what you what you do for the bobcats might be a little bit different than the role you're asked to play for Canada, so do you try to attach to that early, or you kind of just said you, you want to play your game? So um, I don't know if you deviate at all from that. Yeah, no, I uh, I would go into any position and role they would want me to play, and I think uh, I think I'm good in all positions and areas in the game, just because you know Quinnipiac has allowed me and the coach staff has allowed me to play in all those situations here, mm-hmm. um, and so I think uh, you know whatever position or role they they want me to play, and I'm I'm happy to do that, and I'll do it to the best of my ability. Well, excellent. Uh, Peter, listen, I really appreciate your time. I certainly wish you the best of luck at Canada's camp and uh, and whatever happens the rest of the way this year with the Bobcats as well. Thanks for doing this. Good luck. Yes, thank you so much. Peter Dilliberatore, the defenseman of the Quinnipiac Bobcats, uh, my guest there in the NCAA campus report, on his way to uh, Hockey Canada camp as well. Wish him the best of luck. It's going to be a tough team to uh, crack the lineup for, for sure, but he was involved in the summer camp and uh, obviously has performed well enough there and uh, in the following three months that Hockey Canada has brought him back. And as I mentioned, there are four collegians 
who have been invited to uh, take part in Canada's camp. The other four are uh, Dylan Holloway, draft eligible this year. Uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, who was drafted by the Ottawa Senators, uh, what, last year or the year before? And Alex Newhook, uh, who plays at Boston College. Uh, he was uh, drafted this past June in the first round. But it will be a, a tough blue line to crack. Uh, I, I expect Jamie Drysdale to be there. Kalen Addison having another strong year. You know, Ty Smith is is definitely going to be there. I think Bernard Docker will uh, make the team as well. Uh, Bowen Byram, I think, is a, a shoe-in to be on the squad. Thomas Harley, another defenseman that's uh, invited to the camp. But don't forget, Jared McIsaac is a returning player, so he's basically a, a almost an automatic addition. Uh, and Braden Schneider, who's also draft eligible this year. So it is a, a pretty healthy group of blue liners uh, vying for spots with Team Canada. We go from the NCAA campus report to a U Sports update. Uh, the leading scorer of the University of Alberta Golden Bears, his name is Grayson Polinchuk, having a fantastic year for the U of A. Former Red Deer Rebel captain on his way also to take part in uh, the camp for Hockey Canada, but as the opposition, as he is a number of players who has made the U Sports uh, All-Star Club that will square off against Canada as a part of the uh, Hockey Canada camp in deciding that team. Uh, Grayson Polinchuk, former Red Deer Rebel, now with the U of A Golden Bears. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, it's Eric Comrie from the Tri-City Americans. Break away from center. Vasco coming in on Comrie. He's You're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Giant Turkey is a little over the line, my man. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to continue on this week's episode, another in the dub segment. In fact, it's a U Sport update as well as uh, my guest today uh, is a former WHLer who is currently uh, playing U Sport hockey and uh, one of the leading scorers right now in Canada West. A couple weeks ago, I had Matt Alfaro on from the UFC Dinos. He is the leading scorer, but hot on his heels. Grayson Polinchuk of the University of Alberta Golden Bears. And uh, Grayson, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. It's been a while. Talked to you when you were uh, with the Red Deer Rebels, uh, but uh, glad to catch up with you now. How are things? Uh, they've been good, yeah. It's been a few years since I've been on, so thanks again for having me. 
Oh, no problem whatsoever. Tell me about this season uh, for for you and for the Golden Bears. Uh, I think we're we're used to seeing the the U of A uh, at the top of the the Canada West standing, so that's nothing new. But uh, boy, you've uh, you've definitely taken your offense to a whole new level this year. Um, yeah, no, I've definitely had a good start. I think kind of coming into this year, uh, we have something like fourteen new players, so we lost a lot of guys last year, and uh, weren't exactly sure how things were going to shape up, but. Uh, our team's come together together pretty well here. I think we've played well for the most part this year, and uh, it kind of shows through the record. But for myself personally, just kind of knowing that we we're losing big guys, uh, I knew that I was going to have to play a bit bigger of a role this year. And I think uh, definitely confidence-wise and playing-wise, I think I've been a lot better than I have probably in the past like few years at least. So it's been a good year for both the team and myself. Yeah, team is 14 and two uh, through 16 games this year uh, so far. Uh, this weekend, uh, connecting against the uh, Saskatchewan Huskies, so that'll be a, a nice rivalry game uh, coming up. Actually, sorry, that's uh, not until January, right? You guys are off now until uh, after Christmas. Yeah, so we're off now for a while. We have uh, two exhibition games right after Christmas against uh, MRU, as well as Nate. Uh, that's right. The Claire right. Drake, and then uh, the following weekend we go to. Saskatchewan to play the Huskies there. Right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for correcting me on that. I have, uh, <laughs> just looking at the schedule and just see that Saskatchewan's <laughs> next and thinking it's this weekend. Uh, my bad for that. Um, you mentioned the uh, the uh, the changeover in uh, roster from last year for uh, for the Golden Bears, but every year it's basically a WHL All Star team, isn't it? I mean, you got so many guys who you've probably played with or against uh, that you're uh, siding up with now with the Golden Bears. Uh, it's you know, even though they they might be uh, uh, new teammates, uh, they're certainly not new faces for you. And that does that make things easier? Uh, yeah, I think it kind of does. Like, with all the like, new guys coming in, uh, all of us have something in common. Like we all played, or I coming from the Western League, and we played against each other. I mean, even though they're all new players, they're all top end players in the Western League before that, as well as a lot of them being captains of their teams. They're all leaders as well. So it makes for an easy transition, kind of having those new guys come in when you know that they're going to fit the culture here. Who have your line mates been for the most part this year, Grayson, or or does that change uh, often? Does Coach Herbers uh, mix things up a lot? I he usually from the same. Uh, so the start of the year, I was playing with Soy and Samson. Uh, we ran into a few injury problems where uh, we had guys kind of subbing in for each other, kind of stuff like that. But almost the main kind of line I was on and then lately since uh, we played Calgary which I believe is at the start of November when uh, Butcher came back I've been playing with Butcher and Allery as my two line mates and it's been like that since then uh, and I guess I mean does, is there any connection to the the big jump in offensive numbers for you this year with the, the guys that you're playing with does that have something to do with it uh, I think that definitely does I mean when you're playing the line mates have had this year all uh, top players they're top players in the western league as well they are here so it definitely helps playing with them uh i think last year too when i was playing with philip and mcgee it was kind of the same thing with the two top players i think that really helped me uh kind of transition into being more offensive as well as having a lot more confidence when i play too so i think kind of playing with guys like that for anyone i mean it'll help you put up uh better numbers than before for sure. 13 goals last year, 22 points uh, through the 28 games in the regular season, then had five more in the five playoff games. But this year, you're already up to 21 points. So you're going to blow past last year's numbers 
uh, with ease. Um, Grayson, uh, when uh, there's there's news now, the news this week that uh, you get to go play against uh, Canada's World Junior Team uh, in their camp, uh, and there's a number of you from Canada West who'll be doing that. That's that's pretty cool. That's got to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's going to be a cool experience, kind of a few years older than the World Junior players now, but uh, when I was in the last league, I played against them when they were, I believe, 16 and 17. Yeah. And now you can just kind of see the numbers, how they've grown, and then uh, now kind of getting a chance to play against them again when I feel like that I've grown as a player as well and gotten better. So it'll be an interesting uh, game to play against them to see kind of how things go. Did you ever have the uh, opportunity to play represent Canada? I know you've played, you know, uh, Alberta Cup and things like that, but uh, ever worn the Maple Leaf? Um, so, yeah, I played in Alberta Cup and then for Team Alberta, and then I actually made uh, Team Pacific, but then I broke my elbow and didn't get to play in the tournament. Right. And then uh, I tried out for the U18 team, but didn't make that one. Well, and obviously you're not playing in the World Junior, but you kind of get to uh, have an influence at least on on uh, preparing that team. It's not the same, uh, but uh, to to be, I guess, in some way part of the process, it's got to feel a little bit special. <laughs> yeah, no, I I guess it's not the same, but uh, yeah. it'll still be interesting to see like when uh, uh, Boxing Day comes around, when like the World Juniors are starting up and all those big games and watching them from home. It'll be kind of interesting to like know that. Uh, we're part of like the trial process and playing against them before to help prep them for the for the tournament there. Uh, Grayson Polinchek of the U of A Golden Bears is my guest uh, here on the Pipeline Show in our U Sport update. And uh, I mentioned former Red Deer Rebel. And when you look back at your your time in the Western Hockey League, what sort of what sort of things that stand out for you? Uh, definitely the uh, definitely pro. I mean, I ended up so. In the CIS League, which is another, uh, I believe, stepping stone to go pro as well. Uh, definitely top notch league here as well, but kind of when I was in Red Deer, it helps prepare you for that. You play the like professionals. Um, you're expected to play your best every night, and there's a lot expected of you, and um, you kind of help prepare you for one, either going pro or senior, but as well as like, the uh, real business world out there, if that's what you end up doing. Grayson, I know uh, you had some injury issues uh, during your time in Red Deer, and um, so there were you had some hurdles definitely. But what were some of the highlights for you or for the team uh, while you were wearing uh, wearing that jersey? Yeah, I kind of the thing I always remember the most about uh, my time in Red Deer is probably being able to play in the Memorial Cup. Right. Uh, I feel like he should have been able to win our league, although we didn't. But I think we the team for it. But uh, either way, getting to play. At the Memorial Cup kind of in that environment, and obviously being the home, uh, the home team there, we had the home crowd. Those were all pretty crazy crowds, and uh, it was a really cool experience to be a part of. When your WHL career was uh, done, your eligibility was up. You, you actually did have a a one game uh, uh, adventure in the ECHL with the uh, Wichita Thunder, uh, just dipping your toe in the in the waters there and and testing it before you decided the U Sport route. Um, what did uh, going down to Wichita? Kind of, uh, how did that help you decide which way you were going to go? Uh, I think that in a way, I kind of somewhat had my decision made before, but kind of going, I just wanted to see what uh, kind of the pro game was about. Um, like you said, I got to the last regular season game, and then uh, I did play a couple of playoff games actually, but uh, it was just 
interesting to see kind of what their league is about, how it compared to the Western League. And then for me, I kind of just thought um, that I only, with like the WHL scholarship, you only so long to use it. And uh, it's something that you get to keep, that you'll have forever once you complete your education. Right. So I kind of think I could, we kind of made my decision to come here and then to get pro a chance after I was done my school. Sure. Uh, I mean, the players I've talked to uh, that are in your shoes now, I mean, most of them say that, you know, the ECHL or the American League or Europe, they're all going to be there for you after uh, you're, uh, you're done in U Sports, so might as well make use of use of your uh, scholarship package uh, while you can. What are you studying while you're playing? I'm playing in business for uh, doing my major in something. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, so far, I find it interesting. And how has the uh, the scholarship worked for you? Is it is it uh, fairly easy, or is there is it complicated at times, or or how does that work out for you? Uh, no, it's a fairly easy uh, process through like the channels that we kind of go through. And so pretty much, he just sends us like there's like three forms explaining the scholarship, uh, the amount, and we fill out a form saying what school we're going to, like all that, and then. Uh, that's really it. Like once we're enrolled in the school, they also send to them. They pay for pay for as much needed as well as textbooks. We just buy the textbooks and then send the receipt back to him. So uh, it's a really easy process for us. And uh, if we have any questions, we can either just email Greg himself or even ask uh, our coach or GM here if they're very knowledgeable on it as well. Well, and you've, you played uh, five, actually a little bit of uh, six seasons in the Western Hockey League, so you got five full years uh, of uh, education and uh, tuition paid for. So uh, that's great for your for you and, and moving forward, just kind of a something you don't have to worry about. That's going to be a little bit of a comfort. Yeah, definitely. Once you're in school, you kind of see the prices that are paid, and then, uh, you can like students have all their loans to pay for their tuition and stuff like that. Uh, the WHL scholarship is definitely uh, huge. Like us players again, like something that will help us a lot while we're in school and once we're done to not have those debts like a lot of students do. Grayson, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about, well, it's a, a, an awkward subject to get into, but uh, of hockey culture. And uh, it's certainly uh, come up in the news at uh, multi-levels here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, when you were in the WHL, and, and, and I, I guess it's a far-ranging sort of topic, you know, in, in regards to, to hazing or uh, racial, uh, you know, insults or slurs on the ice. And just some people are saying that uh, that hockey is uh, too toxic of an environment, uh, the, the hockey culture. Um, for you, what was your experience like? Because I know, hey, your head coach has kind of uh, got the target on him right now, your former head coach. Uh, yeah, I've definitely seen it all over Twitter and stuff like that. Um, Especially like on Twitter, I don't like to get involved. I kind of feel like writing on Twitter is kind of can be misleading a bit. But uh, in my experience there, uh, I definitely had no problem with Grant. He was always great to me. Uh, he's actually a pretty great person, especially away from the rink. I've seen him do a lot of uh, kind of good deeds for other people and helping out other people. Uh, he's always good with like uh, giving the team money to have like pizza parties with my dressing room attendants or to the team to go out for meals or stuff like that. So uh my time there I was always treated well, treated like a professional and then at the rink he, he expects a lot from us and uh he expects us to act like pros, to be like pros. There's a certain standard 
considered that it's not just the meat. Um, I feel that at point or at times, like especially after losses, obviously he could be a little hard. But I was only uh, put on us as we deserve and see either how we play since sticking uh, in my area, but um, I would never categorize what he did as any kind of abuse or mental abuse or anything like that. So uh, for me personally, my experience was great. I have no problems or anything and kind of all this social media stuff I feel is kind of reaching on a few things lately. All right, well, Grayson, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this year with the uh, with the Golden Bears, and uh, have fun taking on Canada there uh, leading up to Christmas. Yeah, thanks, Ivan. Thanks again for having me on. That's uh, Grayson Polinchuk of the University of Alberta Golden Bears. Let's just say I hate cell phones. Sometimes I hate cell phones. And uh, that was a really good conversation with some uh, very worthy topics. And uh, cell phone service uh, gets in the way a little bit. I've gone back and I've listened to it a couple of times and in a couple of spots you have to listen pretty close, but you can hear what he's saying. But unfortunate uh, how technology, uh, as awesome as technology can be, sometimes it lets us down. And uh, unfortunately, cell phones and uh, radio shows or podcasts uh, don't always go hand in hand. Anyway, I appreciate uh, the uh, Golden Bears uh, for helping set up that interview with Grayson and uh, for Grayson uh, for his time. Up next on the show, a 2020 draft spotlight segment. Defenseman from the Chicago Steel. His name is Luke Reed. He is playing in the World Junior A Challenge, but not for Canada. He's from Warman, Saskatchewan, and uh, grew up playing in Canada all his life. But he is a dual citizen, and he is dressing for the United States. Get to know Luke Reed next here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, this is Brock Besser from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Hey, it's Kyle Connor from the Youngstown Fans. I'm Mr. Gergensen from the View Fighting Saints. Hi, it's Ali Tolvin from Sioux City Musketeers. Hi, this is Ryan Patolny, former player with the Lincoln Stars. This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the Chicago Steel. Hey, this is Sam Gagne, formerly of the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm. Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Curry from the Waterloo Blackhawks. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. There's no time for mistakes, cause it's slipping away. Even though it might be easier, I won't give in now. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I'm telling you, that dude just gives me the heebie-jeebie. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me, and it is time for another uh, 2020 draft spotlight. And uh, this week, it's another uh, also a uh, NCAA campus report. As my next guest is uh, scheduled to go the NCAA route, but uh, he's got lots of hockey to play before that. Uh, Luke Reed is my guest, defenseman with the Chicago Steel. Luke, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. 
No problem whatsoever. Uh, I know it's a, a busy week for you. You're up in uh, you're up in Dawson Creek right now, aren't you? Getting ready for the World Junior A Challenge? Uh, yeah, we actually just drove in last night, so um, just getting ready. Just had a pregame skate and ready to go tonight against Canada East. Now I know uh, the weather apparently has uh, not been exactly friendly. Uh, how, has it uh, affected the way you guys where you're staying or anything like that? Uh, no, nothing too bad. It just uh, it kind of snowed yesterday on our drive up from Edmonton, but um, other than that, it hasn't been too bad. Okay, fair enough. Tell me about getting to play. I mean, we'll we'll get to the Chicago Steel and stuff, but uh, this opportunity to play in the World Junior A Challenge, uh, that's exciting for you. Yeah, for sure. It's you know, it's always a great honor to represent your country, and um, you know, hopefully, come home with a gold medal. Well, I'm going to go to that right now then because uh, I know you you have dual citizenship, don't you? And you have played for oh, Canada yeah. in the past. So when you say great to represent your country, you had your choice. So why the U.S.? Um, honestly, you know, I got to represent Canada. That was a great experience. But um, U.S. just kind of asked me if I want to play. And, you know, they're both my country. So it was, it was a great honor to play for them too. I'm sure, uh, well, we'll talk about the tournament here in, in a bit, but let's look at the season mm-hmm. so far for, for you in the Steel. Seven points, I don't know if offensive numbers are a big thing for you as, as a defenseman, but uh, how have you uh, felt you've played this year with the Steel? Um, I think my game's kind of grown throughout the year. Um, kind of off to a slow start, but uh, just building and focusing on, you know, defense defense first and then offense second and just really building my game before um worrying about those numbers. How about for the uh, the team in general? Uh, things going according to plan? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, t- teams uh, molding really well together. Um, I would say we're a lot farther than we were last year, and um, uh, we went pretty far last year, which which is great to yeah. see. And got a great group of guys, great um, great staff all around. Brock Shahan, um, head coach now, and uh, Ryan Hardy, GM. Just really, really developmental based and. Um, not focus on the end result of like winning and losing, but you know, did we get better today? And uh, yeah, it's a great, great time. What's it like playing in Chicago? I mean, off, awfully big city, uh, and uh, so many. I mean, just from a sporting uh, perspective, so many options for fans. Do, do you do the uh, the Steel have their you know a, a carved out established fan base, or do you feel like you kind of get overlooked sometimes? Uh, what's it like playing there? Um, you know, it's it's such a such a sport market that you know there's always um there's always things to go to and stuff, but um, we definitely have a lot of dedicated fans that, you know, come to every game and, you know, you get to know them and stuff, but um, definitely, definitely could um, definitely have our ups and downs on, on the fan base level, but um, you know, it's, it's a great experience, great culture. So really, really doesn't, doesn't overly matter. Just, you know, you have, have the guys and um, still Fox Valley is a, is a nice arena. It's kind of tight. So, you, you know, Few, few fans feel it quite a bit, so it's it's a good atmosphere for sure. Luke Reed is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. He's a defenseman with the Chicago Steel. Uh, Luke, this part of the show, we like to introduce the, the audience to a, a player in your position, being that it's your NHL draft season. And uh, not everybody that's hearing this is going to know uh, anything about the Chicago Steel or the USHL, or uh, let alone Luke Reed. So uh, let's get a little bit of background uh, on you. Uh, where are you from? Where, where do you call home? Um, I'm from Warman, Saskatchewan, actually. Warman, Saskatchewan. Uh, my mom is from yeah. Rostern, Saskatchewan, so I know exactly oh. where Warman is. Um, oh yeah, arch arch rival, I think of uh, of Warman, Rostern and Warman. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But you do have a dual citizenship. Uh, how does that come together? Uh, my mom's actually from North Dakota, so um, with she met my mom at uh, she she met my dad at chiropractic school, so they kind of 
um, got together. Then um, I lived in Canada my whole life, but my mom's still American, so I'm right. able to get dual citizenship through her. And um, yeah, I've been going down to North Dakota for like um, whole life, basically. All my cousins live down there, so um, so I've been you know haven't haven't just been in Canada my whole life. Been down in the states lots, but um, yeah. You did play all your your minor hockey and uh, and stuff like that in Canada in Saskatchewan. I know you played for the Battleford Stars and uh, and uh, before going out to Penticton. But um, playing in in uh, in Battleford, what was that like for you? I know it's not exactly well. It's not that far away from Warman, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's actually it worked really well. Um, you know, for my first year there, um, I had Martin Smith as head coach, who really helped me, uh, helped me grow my game. Went there as a as a young guy, and I was actually able to drive there i didn't have to build it um drove there like every day kind of thing so you know great for my parents um got to stay with them and um you know they sacrificed a lot you know driving me an hour and a bit every day um to go to the rink but really really thankful that i got that opportunity and um yeah it was was great for my game i've really really developed there is you know not just hot player but a person and um yeah really happy with it your next stop was uh, to Penticton, uh, playing in the BCHL with the uh, the Penticton V's and, and Fred Harbison. Uh, what led you there? Uh, how you know that path? Uh, always interested to see where it takes a player. How did you get from Saskatchewan to the BCHL? Um, uh, honestly, at the time I was uh, committed to North Dakota, so they kind of um, set me up with uh, Penticton, and um, you know, mm. great organization. Fred's a Fred's a really good guy, great recruiter. So. Um, Kind of, kind of was led there and, um, you know, I had a great time out there playing like 16 year old year. Um, it's really fun. Got to meet some great guys. So yeah, it was good. Now, uh, and then you make the transition to the USHL. Uh, why not stay in, uh, in, in Penticton again if you're going to play another couple of years of junior and, uh, why the USHL and why specifically Chicago? Um, honestly, like I had a great time in, uh, Penticton. Really, really like coaches, all that. But, um, just, just for myself personally, um, Chicago was just the better fit, just, um, with their development, uh, mindset and, um, people there. Like, I've been, um, training with Carol Belfry for, um, since I was like 10. So, um, he, he was, he kind of came in as the, um, development guy. So he kind of led me there and, um, Brian Hardy kind of, um, talk to me like what 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 they like in a player and all that stuff and um yeah it's just a great fit for me personally but um yeah it's was, it's was great now have you always been a defenseman luke uh yes i have actually always um first time um playing on team as defenseman uh, never switched interesting and is there uh you know if if someone was to ask you for a self-scouting report how would you describe the way you play for you know for the benefit of the audience that probably hasn't seen you play before Mm-hmm. Um, I played more of a two-way, two-way role. Um, you know, like to, like to get up in the rush, kind of make a good first pass and jump in there. And then, um, you know, still, still defend hard and, you know, apply myself in one-on-one battles down low and, um, all line rush and stuff. So that's, that's probably, you know, where my game centers around mostly. The sheet I'm looking at says six foot and 185 pounds, but that, uh, might be the start of the year. It might even be the end of last year or something. What are you at right now? Um, I'm at, uh, six foot one ninety right now. So, um, trainer helped me put on a few pounds and stuff. So just, just get a bit more weight out there and stuff. Uh, Luke Reed is my guest, and uh, a moment ago you mentioned uh, North Dakota, and uh, you said at the time you were going to North Dakota. I know that's changed here in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if that's widely known uh, or not, uh, and uh, why you changed. That's those are personal things. I'm not going to ask you about that, but 
what happens now? Uh, are you looking for a, another um, a school that uh, it will be the right fit, and what will make it the right fit for you? What are you looking for? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm looking for just um, good school, like development mindset, kind of like Chicago, um, you know, and school that wins, like, you know, um, school that always competes. Um, yeah, just, you know, kind of looking for the best fit for me, um, you know, jump in next year and um, play a role. Just kind of win a lot, <laughs> win an NCAA championship. Yeah, I don't know where you are in that process. Have you talked to other programs and, and coaches already, or is that is that where you're starting at right now? Um, yeah, I've kind of talked to a few. Um, definitely with the World Junior Aids, kind of um, kind of put a setback on you know what I can all do with visits and stuff like that. But um, just kind of kind sure. of talking to a few, um, kind of find out options and stuff like that. Nothing too serious. Kind of just take my time on it at the moment. Right. Uh, now, uh, was it this past summer you played in the Holenka Gretzky Cup? Um, it was like last start of last year. Uh, so was, yeah. it was in Edmonton then? Yeah, yeah, Edmonton Red Deer. Right. And so, yeah, if she's mentioned Red Deer, then you played for the U.S. How'd that tournament go for you there? Um, it was it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, came up a little short, but um, met met some unreal guys and um, had a great time. Well, I know it uh, ended controversially uh, for you guys, and I still, to this day, think you guys got robbed on the, uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, dying second uh, goal and the, the no review and all that stuff. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of your former teammates from that team, uh, Farinacci and, and guys like that. And um, it's uh, Back then when I talked to them, they were still a little bit bitter. But, uh, hey, time uh, time heals all wounds. Uh, you get yeah. over that one by now? Um, you know, it always always leaves with a bare taste, you know, not going to be happy about any time, but, um, you know, just got, <laughs> got to deal with it and, you know, get them back on this, this tournament. Excellent. Uh, well, Luke, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck at the world junior a challenge and, uh, and, uh, whatever, uh, school you end up with. Uh, I hope we can uh, chat again. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Luke Reed of the Chicago Steel out of the USHL up in Dawson Creek right now, uh, taking part in the World Junior A Challenge for the United States. Uh, I believe given a C rating by NHL Central Scouting. We'll see uh, how that uh, evolves over the course of the season. That wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everybody that's uh, signed up on Patreon to be a a patron of the show and help support and make sure the show continues on. If you uh, think the show and uh, what I do and the interviews I have if you think uh, that has some value and you'd like to uh, make sure that the show continues to be viable uh, feel free sign up uh, to be a patron you get early access to all the interviews that you hear on the show some of these I did very early in the week uh, like Monday or Tuesday actually this week uh, they both the earlier ones were on uh, Wednesday I did a couple yesterday as well as I'm speaking with you right now it's Friday Uh, so people would have had early access to uh, all the interviews for at least a day or two. Most of the time, that'll be three or four days. So where do you go to do that? Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Also, wherever you're getting your copy of The Pipeline Show from, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or Google Play or Spreaker or the podcast app on your uh, Apple products or your, uh, I think that's actually available now uh, for Android too. I don't know. I don't have an Android phone, but uh, wherever you're getting uh, your copy of The Pipeline Show from, if you can leave a rating, and or a comment i'd really appreciate if you would do that uh, just so that other people who are maybe uh, you know searching for a hockey podcast or a prospect uh, a hockey prospect podcast and they come across something called the pipeline show they don't know what it is they think it's about oil fields or something like that 
uh, your comment might uh, you know encourage them to give the show a try. So I would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and or a comment uh, wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show. That's it. Until next week, everybody, get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. See ya.